0: All right, Freedom House, I want to thank you for joining us. It is Easter weekend, and my name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor, and I am so glad that you have decided to join with us. We are going to have an amazing day today. I want to get right into this and as we celebrate Easter. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, God paid a ransom, If you could, just wherever you are, can you just say the word paid? Just say paid right now. Come on, let me hear you. Okay, there you go, paid. Paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven which your fathers tried to take. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know, but he paid, come on, say it one more time, paid. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ. The precious lifeblood of Christ of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. In other words, we have been paid in full. That's what we want to talk about over the next few minutes. I want to talk about what it means to be paid in full. In 1999, my wife and I were having our second child. My wife was about four or five months pregnant. And some of you know this story, but there's a part of that you don't know about it. Uh, we were going to the doctor, we were going to the hospital to have the ultrasound. We were real excited about discovering what the gender was going to be. We had a little boy already, he was almost two years old, and uh, we were expecting, we didn't know what to expect, honestly. I was kind of hoping for another boy, she was hoping for a little girl, and so we go in, we sit down with the doctor, and the doctor goes through all the ultrasound stuff, and, and some of you know the story, we went to another room, and we found out that our child was basically destined to die. Um, My my little girl had tumors all through her brain. Uh, There was a picture that they showed me on the ultrasound that her brain was completely full of tumors. We were devastated. It was one of the most horrible times we had ever experienced in our entire life. I mean, I can't think of anything up to that point in our life that was more devastating to hear uh, that your child that was getting ready to be born that you couldn't touch, you couldn't hold. I mean, we had faith. We knew, we knew God was a healer, but when you get those kind of reports, I mean it's just really difficult to handle. We went home. We prayed. We told a very select few people. You know, you don't tell everybody what's going on in your life, especially when those kind of things. You want people that have belief, that have faith. So we went to some of our really close friends, and we told them about what we were going through. Well, about two weeks later, my wife, you know, she's still pregnant. We're still believing. We don't know what's going on. We're supposed to go back to the doctor a few weeks later to, to, to find out what we were going to do next. She goes to the mailbox, and she finds a card inside of the mailbox. And it's addressed to us, Penny and Troy Maxwell. And we could see that it was from one of our friends, specifically one of the friends that we we had told about. Now, we had also told a select few people that during the time where we went to the doctor, we had gotten a medical bill that exceeded all of our insurance, and it was $5,000. It was a $5,000 bill. So now I was a a full-time, 100% commissioned salesperson. My wife had decided to stay home. So I want you to think about this. Put yourself in our shoes for a second. Not only were we facing this issue with our child having tumors all in her brain, but now we have this $5,000 bill that we're going to have to pay. We didn't know how to pay it. We were using our faith for the kid to be healed, for our child to be healed. And now we got this $5,000 bill. She pulls out this envelope. She's expecting a nice card. Hey, we're praying for you. We're believing for you. She opens the card, and as she opens a check for $5,000 is in the envelope. Come on, somebody. I mean, that was amazing. Not to mention, when we went back to the doctors, they told us, in tears, the doctor told us, that our child was completely healed, not a tumor was left in her brain. Come on, that is awesome. God paid everything. I want you to think about this, because I know all of us have been in a situation where it's one thing to get something free, it's another when you expect to pay and then you don't have to. I know, I know many of us have been to a restaurant before, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but you go there and you order all this food you know, because you know you're going to pay. You order this food, you get appetizers, you get your regular meal, you get dessert, and you just go crazy. And then you expect to get the bill, but you never get it because someone has been nice enough to pay the bill for you, paid in full. Let me tell you another story that happened last year with our soon-to-be son-in-law. Now, many of you know that, that I've got three kids, two of which last year got married, and now they're out of the house. Thank you, Lord. Come on, celebrate Easter with me right now. They've been raised from my house. They're no longer in my house. i still got one left, but two of them are gone. But my soon-to-be son-in-law had a change in his life. He was going towards the military when he decided that he wanted to change and go into ministry. Well, his mil- military... Uh, contract basically was paying for all of his schooling up to that point. And he had generated a $50,000 bill. Okay, So he had a bill that was $50,000 that he would accumulated through his college uh, tuitions and so forth. Well, he decided that he didn't want to go in the military anymore. He wanted to be in ministry. And when all that happened, he went on a cruise with some of his friends. And he had got this terrible virus. It was called chikungunya. Um, It was very, very deadly. Uh, He he went to the hospital. It was really, really difficult for him to deal with. In the meantime, you know, he's trying to make the shift from going in the military to being in ministry. He, He got well. And then we had launched him into the ministry. And he was helping us with our brand new campus, Lake Norman Campus. In the meantime, he was in conversations with the military about the bill, and I'll never forget what happened, because I, I, I want to read this to you, what happened exactly, because on the day that we were launching the Lake Norman campus, I, w- I want you to hear what happened. It was one of the busiest days that we had in the launch of this campus. He gets a phone call from his superior officer. Now, he was looked at the phone, he told me, he looked at the phone, He he's like, man, i got to take this phone call. So he kind of pulls away, picks up the phone, and this is what on the other side, the voice said, Cadet, Cadet Swadner, I want to inform you that all your education costs have been forgiven completely. All $50,000 have been paid in full. Come on, that, it, what, a, what a phone call. Well, you know, even more than having a bill paid is that our eternal security has been paid through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Everything that we celebrate this entire weekend is about our lives being completely paid for by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to look at this. It says, God paid a ransom to save you. When you think of a ransom, I love that phrase in that verse in 1 Peter, because when you think of a ransom, you think of somebody that's been kidnapped and they are, they have sent a ransom note to the kid to the to the family to pay a, a ran- we we were kidnapped by the enemy through sin, and because of God's love for us, He sent His Son to die for us, but not just die, but be raised from the dead. That's what we're celebrating is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Notice what 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23 says in the message paraphrase. It says all of you, that's all of us together, slave and free both were once held hostage in a sinful society. All of us were held hostage, but God paid a ransom. The enemy has held us hostage. Some of us have been ha- held hostage in addiction. Some of us have been held hostage in sin, in relationships, all by the enemy. Then a huge sum, what was that sum? Jesus Christ was paid out for your ransom. So please, here's, Here's the Apostle Paul pleading with us. So please don't, out of old habit, slip back into being or doing what everyone else tells you. We have been paid for. It's like the debt has been completely paid. I want you to celebrate that today with me. I want you to understand that all of our debts have been paid because we owed a debt we could not pay, and Jesus, Jesus paid a debt we did not owe. I want to share one more scripture, and then I want to get into the meat of this. It says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption. I'm going to dig in that word in just a second, because I want to, that's, a, that's kind of a big Christianese kind of word, redemption. But really, that's what the whole Bible is all about, is from beginning, Genesis all the way through the book of Maps. I'm talking all the way through the end. Is all about us being redeemed. Every story, every miracle is pointing to this moment where you and I would be redeemed through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Him. And when we put ourselves in Him, it's only in Him. Look, look, I know some of you are watching, you're watching right now, and you aren't a believer. I'm going to tell you something. One day, you're going to have to come face to face with the reality and make a decision to be whether you are in him or not in him. But in him, you will have redemption. In him, talking about Jesus Christ, our relationship with him. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, So in him, we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We'll talk about that in just a minute. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. In other words, God... Gives generously to us. He didn't have to. He did it generously. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Let's keep reading. He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. So as a result of this this debt being paid for us, he launches us into our purpose. And now we understand his will for our life, which he purposed in Christ. So when you are in him is when you can find your purpose. That's amazing to think about. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and in earth under Christ. So I want to I just take three, just three points today, just three thoughts in regards to this being paid in full. First of all, and you may want to write this down because no takers are history makers. Hey, look, just because you're not sitting in this building, you need to write some stuff down. Write it on your arm. Write it on a kid as they run by. I don't care. Just write it down somewhere. Number one, he walked out so that we could walk in. He walked out so that he, we could walk in. Let me say it one more time. He walked out of that grave so that we could walk into the presence of God. Let's look at this verse one more time, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. It says, in him we have Redemption. The word redemption at its core means to be delivered. It also means to be released, released. Redemption means being released. So I want you to think about this for a second. In the book of Genesis, when we were created, when mankind was created, the Bible tells us that God created us for fellowship. So when he would walk through the garden. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us he, you know, made the earth, he made the seas, he made the animals, he made the trees, he made the leaves, he made, he made everything. You know, we're, we're still kind of wondering why he made mosquitoes and ants and flies that bite and all that stuff. Maybe it's a part of the curse. I don't know. But anyway, so so Adam and Eve are walking through the garden. The Bible says that God would come in the cool of the day. And he would speak with mankind. Why is that? Because we were destined for relationship with him. This is so important. When sin came in the world, when, when the devil came into the garden and convinced Adam and Eve to take of the fruit of the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because of that disobedience, there was separation from God. We were separated from him. So the whole plan of redemption is to bring us back into this relationship. Redemption, release. God being released to us and us being released to God. Now you remember when Jesus was on the cross, when he said, it is finished, something significant happened. The Bible tells us that in the temple, now this is important, in the temple there was this garment that separated The presence of God from the people. And every year what the priests would do is they would go in behind this veil... And they would do a sacrifice for the entire children of Israel. One time a year, they could go in. They couldn't go in any other time. Matter of fact, they would tie ropes around priests and, in case they had sin in their life. If they went in the presence of God and died, they had to pull them out. They had bells that they would hear jingling. If they stopped hearing the jingling, they would pull them out because they were dead in the presence of God. Why, Why was that? Because God could not be in the presence of sin until Jesus took upon himself all of our sin. See, he didn't just just cover sin. He washed it away forever and ever for you and me. So that on that day when Jesus said, it is finished, the veil of the temple was rent, was torn from top to bottom. Why? So that God's presence could be released to the world and God's people could be released to the presence of God. That is what redemption is all about, us being released back into that position where we can have fellowship with each other. In other words, the blood of Jesus satisfied God's justice forever. The blood of Jesus took care of the scales of right and wrong in our relationship with God. So past, present, and future All of our wrongs have been taken care of. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 3. It says, God did it for us out of sheer generosity. He put us in right standing with Himself. He didn't have to do it, He decided to do it. Okay? So He walked out so that we could walk in. We could go in. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess. He got us out of the mess. What mess? The mess you put yourself into, the mess I put myself into. We're in and restored us to where He always wanted us to be, and He did it by means of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus cleaned up a mess He didn't make. We have this little thing that we do in our house. The way it works, my wife instituted this rule. It's called kitchen redemption. Here's how it works if you cook, you don't clean. That's just the way it works. And she does a lot of cooking, so guess who does the cleaning? My kids. That's why we made them. I don't clean. No, my kids do all the cleaning. That's why we made them. That's why we had kids, so they could clean up. And that's why God gave you kids, so they can clean up. You pay for it, they clean it up. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, now I have to do the cleaning. So you, she cooks, and then I clean up the mess. So here's how it worked. We cooked. Now God came along, and he cleaned up our mess. All of us have made messes. I've made a mess in my life. And I, guess what? Let's be honest. Sometimes we continue to make the mess. But that's what's so good about the redemptive process. That's what's so great about the release of God's presence is God is so generous to us that he cleans up a mess that he never made. And that is us. We've made a lot of messes in our life. You know, right now, I want, I want to share with you a little story of a guy who is, who has, is very successful in his life. His name is Frank, Frank Garcia, he, he's a college football star, he's a, he's a NFL player, I mean he is extremely successful, he attends our, our south end campus and he made a mess of his life but look how the Lord paid it in full.
1: I remember standing in line and putting this plastic football helmet on and my dad looking at me and I look me looking at him and so excited to tell him said dad I want to play football and he took his hand and hit me in the side of the head with that with his big old mitt and smashed my head and my ears were ringing like could like you wouldn't believe and he goes you still want to play football and it kind of deflated me you know it's like but it also drove me and I think that's where you know I wanted to prove him wrong that I could do something that he was questioning. I was a big kid. I was always bigger than everybody else. In fact, I was a hundred pounds in kindergarten. Um, so a lot of people made fun of me uh, because of my looks um, and my size. You know, I was a hard-headed kid, uh, still kind of stubborn, very competitive. I think I do get that from my from my father. You know, he would always tell us, one of the things that he would always say to us is that, you know, after every game, did you try your best? You know, and and we'd think about it and she goes, yeah, then then it's not about the wins or losses. You're gonna lose some, you're gonna win some. But when you win, you learn one thing. When you lose, you learn multiple things. So take these losses and learn from them, build from them. And that always stuck with me in everything that I did. Um, I was Arizona Athlete of the Year in 1990. I um, went to University of Washington. We had a lot of success. We went to a Rose Bowl. I've always felt like I'm gonna find a way to be the best at whatever I do, and I did. The next year, I started my freshman year for the 1991 national champs, undefeated, and uh, that kind of uh, catapulted my you know, career. 1995, uh, I got drafted. And I remember that morning, uh, it was early morning out in Seattle, it was probably six in the morning, getting a phone call and I was talking to Bill Polian and uh, he said, hang on, we're gonna draft you with the next pick. And my heart sank. And it felt like all the hard work and everything that I had done and all the failures that I had had and all the success had, you know, kind of come full circle to me getting drafted in the fourth round from the Carolina Panthers uh, in 1995. And then that next year we went to the NFC Championship and lost to Green Bay in 1996 and thought that, gosh, this is, next year we're going to Super Bowl. And th- things just kind of went downhill from there. And you know, you just kind of uh, understand the ups and the flows when, when you're an NFL player that it's not as easy as you think sometimes. 1990, or, no, 2000 uh, was my last year here with the Panthers, 2001. Um, I was a free agent, and I really wanted to sign back here with the Panthers. Uh, I, I was let go, or they, I wasn't re-signed here, and I went to the St. Louis Rams. I felt like I was let down, I felt like I was lied to, um, and I think I was just overall disappointed more than anything else that I wasn't going to finish my career where I started. And it's really the first time. You know, since I had really started achieving things that uh, I, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't end up in a situation I wanted to end up in. We had a lot of success with that Rams team. We went to a Super Bowl, and you can blame us for Tom Brady's success because that was his first Super Bowl win. From from the Rams, I went to the Cardinals. I was there for two years, and I got cut from the Arizona Cardinals. Um, it was probably the biggest blow to my ego that I've ever had. I had gotten to some trouble um, my 10th year in the NFL, took a supplement that had been legal um, and they had banned it um, and it was in my system and I'm accountable for that. And it's, they suspended me for four games and I felt like that was kind of the downfall of my professional career, even though I was you know, 10 years into the league so that was really hard to disappoint my family. You know, I had two kids. I had a, uh, at that time I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old and we were in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where I'm originally from, in front of my home crowd, uh, my hometown. And having my name, you know, in a suspension list with when I've done or tried to do everything up to that point the right way, really, really crushed me. Uh, we decided to come back here to Charlotte and uh, you know, just was here for five years, but I was in kind of limbo for, for those five years of what to do with my life. I'd been an athlete my entire life, and I'd lost that. I didn't know what to do, didn't know where to go. Thought I was gonna maybe reinvent myself as an athlete, and I hit rock bottom because my wife decided to uh, divorce me and leave me. And I think a lot of it had to do with losing my identity The way that I was leading my family, kind of, I was lost. Didn't have a lot of direction in my life. And I really felt like I'd hit rock bottom. And then my wife told me she was leaving and it it broke me down. I, I fell to my knees. I really did, just all the way. I remember in the kitchen, her telling me and me just falling to my knees, you know, asking why. Because without God's grace and His forgiveness, I don't know where I'd be. So it breaks me down even now you know, to hear those, or to, 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 to relive that moment. But I'm so thankful that I have a God that has always stood by me and has been there for me through those tough times. We look at failure as a bad thing sometimes, it's a necessity. I've changed the way I've looked at that word. I've changed the way I've looked at failure. I used to be afraid of it, I used to hate it. I embrace it. I I don't want to fail, but if I fail, I embrace it because I know that I'm gonna learn through those those failures, and it's gonna ultimately make me a better person. Yeah, I'm Frank Garcia, and the most important thing about me is having my faith because through all the trials and tribulations that I've had, It's one of the things that's been able to, I've been able to kind of go back to and hold on to and know that even in these tough times that we're experiencing today, I'm not gonna be afraid. Uh, I'm confident, I'm proud. Uh, I'm, I'm a guy that isn't afraid to tell you I love Jesus. And that's something I haven't always been able to do.
0: Come on, wasn't that a great story? Isn't it fantastic what God can do? When you put your trust in God, when you release yourself, you know, I've watched Frank and his life completely change. It's amazing to watch what God has done. Look at this verse real quick in Romans chapter 3, verse 25. I want you to see this. It says, God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear the world of sin, Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. In other words, he walked out so that we could walk in. Number two, write this down. He went down so we could go up. He went down. So we could go up. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. It says when he ascended, talking about Jesus, when he went to heaven, when he went to the right hand of God, before he did that, the Bible says he led captivity captive. We'll talk about that in just a second. And gave gifts to men. And then Paul has this parenthetic moment. This parenthesis moment. And he explains what this whole ascended and descended means. He says, now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended. He's talking about Jesus far above all the heavens that he might fill or fulfill all things. So he went down. Come on, write it down. He went down so that we could go up. Not just to heaven, okay? Because many times we think of what Jesus did just to get us into heaven, just to give us some fire insurance. No, no, no. He did something when he went down in order to pay it in full for us while we live here on the earth. Because what he did as he led captivity captive, as he went down into hell, and he faced the devil head on, and he took back the legal right that the devil owned over the earth because of their, the, mankind's... Sin. So what ended up happening for you and I is that because the devil went down into hell, he took back the authority that the devil had over the earth. Now we know that the devil had authority because when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the Bible tells us that, that, that Satan took him up on a hill and he said, hey listen, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all of this. Now what? What was he talking about? He was talking about authority. But because Jesus, listen, because Jesus defeated Satan, death, sin, and the grave, he went down into the lower parts and he took the keys of the kingdom back from the enemy. Why? So now you and I can walk in the authority that we have through Jesus Christ. We can walk in that authority. It says he gave gifts to men. So each one of the gifts that you and I have in Christ come with a level of authority. Every talent you have in operation in the kingdom of God, the devil can't stop you. When you fall into your purpose in God, this is what's so amazing about God. When you think about the fact that his resurrection, look, it's not just about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. No, he did something for you and me so that we could live out this amazing life in the fulfillment of the authority that he walked, has walked out for us. One, one, one passage says that he paraded all of hell, paraded in front of all of heaven and hell, Satan and his defeat for you and me. So he went down so that we could go up, so that you could step up. There's favor on your life. There's forgiveness on your life. There is grace on your life. There is authority on your life. You have the name of Jesus to speak out. Why? Because he went down so that you could step up, so that you could walk up. Number three, you want to write this down, is he went up so that we could go out. He went up so that we could go out. When I moved to Charlotte 18 years ago, I had this kind of epiphany moment, this watershed moment as a believer. What ended up happening with me is, you know, I, I'd gotten saved and I got saved in this charismatic kind of Pentecostal environment. And as a result of that, what ended up happening is I had this kind of framework in which I put the power and the presence of God. I kind of put God in this almost like this little box in thinking about the power of the Holy Spirit and how he would operate in a person's life. Well, when I moved to Charlotte, I realized um, none of that stuff was necessarily wrong, but I realized that in the, in the ability to, to, to reach people, I had to get a new understanding of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I got a brand new Bible. Matter of fact, I gave away my Bible in Richmond, and I bought a brand new Bible, and I decided I wanted to read it from Genesis all the way through through to Revelation. And here's the prayer that I prayed before I read it: God, I want I want to know you, not with some kind of preconceived idea. Meaning that I think it's so easy to read a passage of Scripture or to see something in the Bible and go, "Oh, I know that because somebody told you something about it." I said, "God, I want to read it fresh. I want to read it brand new. I want to understand you." for myself as a pastor, as a leader. You know what I think? And this is just has nothing to do with the message, honestly, but I think this for you. Now's a great time to do that. You've got some time on your hands. You're kind of maybe, like me, kind of have to go home. You don't have a whole lot of outside activities, not a lot of sports on the television. There's almost so much binge watching you can do. How about you pray a prayer and say, God, Reveal yourself to me in a new way. Instead of just adopting the old things, the old way, the old way of reading, the old way of studying, we just kind of get a fresh picture of the redemptive relationship we can have with God. I came across this verse in Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I read it like this spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me the Holy Spirit I read John 14 15 and 16 you can read it some other time and I read about Jesus saying I'm gonna go away I'm gonna send you a helper the power the presence of God and I started to think about the resurrection of Jesus in a whole different light not just to benefit me but so that I could go out and change the world. And then I came across this, this verse in Acts chapter one. You know, when, when, when somebody says something as they're leaving, like the last words, I'd pay really close attention to it. These were the last words of Jesus to his disciples. He had spent 40 days. So here, here's how it worked. Passover, that was when Jesus was crucified on that Friday. There was 50 days between Passover and Pentecost. Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples. And then he said, listen, I'm going to leave and you need to wait because I'm going to send you this promise, this gift, this power. I'm going to send them to you. His name is the Holy Spirit. His name is Comforter. His name is Perikletos, somebody that comes alongside, walks with you. He's going to be your teacher. He's going to be your friend. He's going to be, he, he's going to, it's going to be better than having me by your side. You're going to have somebody that's coming and going to live on the inside of you so when I read this verse, it changed my whole philosophy, my whole thoughts about the presence of God. And I hope it'll help you today. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. In other words, the power of God is never to draw attention to me. No, the power of God is is to draw people to him. Let me say that one more time. Because see, I grew up where, well, I got saved in an environment where the power of God was kind of really to draw attention to man. And I realized very quickly that the presence and the power of God was never to draw attention to me or a person. It's to draw people to God. So he went up so that we could go out see I felt like I wanted to preach this to you today because we're not in a building together we're not sitting side by side no we are we've already been sent out and the power of the risen Lord is in your living room because he lives inside of you he walked out so that you could go in come on he went down so that you could go up he went up so that we can go out father thank you so much for an opportunity to come into your presence today god we want more of you so no matter where we are in our relationship with god no matter where we are in this journey of faith God, I pray for every, come on, just close your eyes right where you are. I pray for every person within the sound of my voice. God, I pray that, that you would speak to people right now who are far from you. This Easter would be the day that they come close. God, you, you paid for us. You paid in full. You tore the dividing line between us and you, and you are present in every household, Present. In every office present in every corner god you are present even when we aren't together physically you are there and god i pray god that you would touch people's hearts right now god that you would minister to people right now that you would heal people that you would do miracles in households that you would bring hope and healing and forgiveness right now right where you are if you need jesus a fresh revelation of jesus if you don't know him personally come on i want to pray with you right now i want to pray with you right now to receive jesus as your personal lord and savior look forget about all the religious stuff you've heard it's not about going to church it's not about how you pray or how much bible you know it's about a relationship with a god who sent his son to die be buried now sits at the right hand of God for you he his desire is to be in relationship with you he wants to talk to you he wants to bring peace to your life he his desire is to forgive you of all your mistakes all your sins all your problems he wants to clean up your mess come on some of you got a big mess right now but God can clean it all up for you I want to pray for you right now matter of fact why don't you just pray this prayer out loud just say heavenly father Come on, say it again. Say, Heavenly Father. Say it loud. I know it may be awkward. Just say it loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that He walked out so that I could walk in. I believe that He went down so that I could go up. I believe that He went up so I could go out. Jesus, I believe in your resurrection. You are my Lord and you are my Savior in Jesus' name. Now come on, just lift your hands and just receive the presence and the power of God this Easter. Come on, receive the power of God. His presence is for you right now. Come on, let the power of God invade your home. Let the power of God invade your restaurant, invade your business, invade you. Let Him invade your heart right now. Come on, let God's power, let the resurrection power of God come and change you from the inside out. He loves you. God cares for you. He has a plan for your life. Come on, lift your hand As we sing this one more time. He raised the dead. Come on. thankful that you decided to be a part of this Easter celebration man I I can't wait to see you it'll be real soon God bless you love your family have a wonderful wonderful
1: Easter